0: seats. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. The title of the message today is The Family Within the Family. So our our blood families, especially if they are a Christ-following family, within the family of the body of Christ, which is the theme of the book of um, Ephesians. Let's pray before we get into God's word today. Lord, thank you for family. Thank you for Um, instruction in the home and in the church that if we will follow these instructions, we will learn to appreciate that it's what we were made for. So help us to follow with intent to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. So we come into Ephesians 6. We looked into the home last week at marriage being a picture of the church, the church being the picture of marriage, Paul saying at one point that this is the way it was from the beginning, that when God decided to create, he created angels, for example, as servants, not in his image. He created magnificently things that we can just look at and wonder. And then he created images of himself in men and women. And it was always his intent that They're coming together, um, one coming with one other, becoming one individual home, becoming um, a family, becoming a picture of what Paul would explain in the future of the church. That picture couldn't be given of Israel. It couldn't have been given, given before Israel because before Israel there was no law of God. There was a relational God, absolutely. And then Israel came as a corporately called nation, a nation in which most of them didn't follow God with their heart, didn't make Christ their Lord. But the church, the church is a body of people who have given their lives to Christ. And to them, he gives the explanation that it was always his intent from the beginning. So we come into Ephesians chapter 6 after we've been discussing the relationship between the wife and the husband, the mother and the father in a home. Paul writes, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So we have multiple commands here, and multiple steps here. First, he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And we will see that as in the Lord, we'll see that Old Testament and New. And um, I grew up with a, a little bit of a confused picture of that. Um, so what is it saying? It is saying obey your parents obey your parents in the lord means that it is christ that is the focus to the child that is somewhat confusing Um, we will look at today that um, how to apply god's word in a home with varying ages of children Um, how the bible even instructs us to communicate with non-holy spirit younger human beings so when we were put together in our mother's wombs we were designed to be trained so that even before we have the Holy Spirit and have the power to obey children from infancy till the Bible brings that till about age 19 before they turn 20 are designed to be disciplined to be corrected to be directed to follow instructions Um, and Paul will give us examples of that and then he comes in verse 2 that the command that we will see in the Old Testament honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and you may that you may enjoy long life on the earth so Paul takes the commandment given to Moses on Mount Sinai and he extends it like Jesus does so you would wonder how the commandment given to Israel would apply effectively to us. Paul explains that. So that when they were entering the land, they were told that it may go well with you if you honor your father and your mother, and that you may live long in the land. Well, Paul changes that to live long on earth. So as a Christ follower, our life, the The fruitfulness of life is extended by honoring our parents. Honoring our parents in the Lord. Obeying our parents in the Lord. Meaning that commandments given that follow the Lord and commandments given that don't disobey the Lord are to be obeyed. And we see the the downfall in the training in the world that um, the reality is that Probably the weakest link in all of this is the father, is the husband. It is the picture in the world where when he casts off his responsibilities, um, it changes everything. You can see how influential that is. For example, in a family where the mother is doing everything that she can to bring up this child, to be an honorable, respectful, obedient child, if the father is indifferent or just allows or encourages things that disagree with God, it is such a battle. It is such a war. And the reality is that when you take children and you have good influence, bad influence, it takes no effort to call the bad up. Um, and. Paul is going to give us instructions in relationship to that. We look at Colossians chapter 3, these two parallel letters that Paul writes. I believe Colossians is probably the last of the four books as we know them, or letters, written in his imprisonment from 60 to 62 A.D. So similarly, in verse 18, he says, wives submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. So it is not a complete statement, wives, submit to your husbands. We read in chapter 5 and verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So wives here, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Honey, we're going to go to church every other Sunday because we're going to do what I want on every other Sunday. That's not fitting in the Lord. Honey, the kids are going with me today. You can go to church if you want. That's not fitting as unto the Lord. Um, As for me and my house, Josh says, the man's role, once firmly put in place, will spread throughout the home. If the man is opposed to the things of Christ, then it is no longer fitting to the Lord. So I grew up thinking or having a picture that, well... If you're a christian and you're a woman you have to do whatever your husband says no matter what and that's just not true there is no way that the the leadership of a husband can find itself equal to the leadership of the lord and when that happens it is a difficult place to be but the woman has to stand with christ instead of her husband but if it is possible as it is fitting to the Lord, wives, submit to the order that God has placed that we looked at last week. God the Father, God the Son, man, woman. Father and Son equal, man and woman equal, but there is to be an order. And we're specifically designed for it to work effectively that way. Verse 19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. I don't know if we referred to it last week, but in First Peter 3, 7, He says that we are to be sensitive, that we are to be considerate, that we are to be respectful to our wives. And he concludes that verse in 1 Peter 3 by saying, so that it won't hinder your prayers. So, men, and you can say the same thing, Jim, if you're going to pray for me, I would suggest you be considerate, that you be loving, that you be encouraging to your wife, Because it's not going to do you any good to pray for me if you're not doing that. Peter says that we have to be that. Verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And again, when it pleases the Lord, the things that He commands, um, that we have this um, rampant reality that would be difficult for us to wake up as parents to realize how many millions Of children that are in human trafficking. Millions, millions. One of the hardest realities to realize, we see movies like the movie Taken. Do you know that most children in trafficking weren't taken? They were given by parents. What a sad reality that is. So honor your parents and obey them. But in a home like that, they have to be rescued. They cannot honor their parents. We live in a world where everything is upside down. And similar to verse four in Ephesians six, verse 21, fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So it is always in the positive um, as we go back to Ephesians and look one more time at those verses before we begin in the Old Testament don't embitter your children don't be harsh with your children be considerate with your wife Um, as josh mcdowell says rules and regulations without or rules and regulations without relationship leads to rebellion if you're known as a heavy-handed father that doesn't love, that doesn't encourage, that doesn't champion the children's lives. They will become bitter, Paul says. They will become rebellious. They will become against the father in the home. So we read these verses again in Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So follow your parents. Um, Not many parents today follow the Lord, and the children are in a horrible predicament. Um, but when they can follow parents um, do so honor your father and mother that never goes away my mother is alive Um, my I blessed with a second father he is here Um, I am to honor them not to agree with sin if that is the case I'm blessed that that's not the case but I am to honor my parents as long as I live so that it may go well with me, go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Life is not enjoyable. It can be pleasurable but not enjoyable if you dishonor your parents. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. That's the negative, but instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So the positive is the focus. The positive is that, Father, I am giving this responsibility to you that, as for you in your house, you will serve the Lord. As for you in your house, you will learn what the Lord says about fathers, what it says about mothers, what it says about children, why it's important for you to honor and obey and respect, and why it's important for me not to embitter you, not to be harsh with you, to let you know that I love you, to let you know that I'm proud of you as a son, as a daughter, um, for what you did there. I saw that act of kindness. I I appreciate it. Fathers are to search for opportunities to praise their children, to love their children, to let them know that my dad is my champion. He stands with me. And in a home where there's only the mother to do that, that role comes to her. It becomes more difficult, but it becomes the same role. So mothers, look for opportunities to praise your children. Don't Praise them without discipline and don't discipline them without praise. And don't be harsh, meaning don't come angry at your children. That's a difficult challenge. But instead, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. You've got several verses there as we're turning to Exodus 20 in your Bible. So the first love your neighbor as yourself command in the Ten Commandments is the one that Paul is referring to. It is the first of the Ten Commandments that has a promise with it. Look in your notes there if you've got Exodus now and we look at this design where David writes, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And as I said before, Before we say, I choose to follow God, while we were still a child, while we were knit together in our mother's womb, we were designed to obey the commands of our parents. We were designed to be trained, to be directed, to be disciplined, to be loved, to not have parents that are harsh towards us, so that a lost person can receive these commands. So you had people like Thomas Paine, who wasn't a believer in God, who said that we will fall as a country if we get away from these. What God has, this Judeo-Christian law, people like Ben Franklin, who wasn't necessarily a God follower, believed that the laws found in the Word of God needed to be the, the statutes on which the United States of America would stand. So they came together and as the first Congress... They started the National Bible Society, which is still in action today. They made sure that a Bible was on every desk of every student in every school in the United States. We've come a long way backwards from that. But they understood that those commands were that important. And also in your notes there, Proverbs 22, 6, a familiar verse Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. And when you read that, um, you think, wait a minute, why why does this work all the way through? But if you look at what the verse is saying closely, if you put all of the instructions, all of the instructions of the Lord, you're not harsh with them, you're not bitter with them, you're training them, you're growing them, you're correcting them, you're loving them, at some point in their life if I use my own example all of that was done in my life I had everything around me that God wanted to have around me I was rebellious by nature everyone that knew me believed that I was a Christian and at the age of 32 I realized that I had never surrendered my life to the Lord as Lord and as soon as I did All that was invested in me with a child came back to me. It now was applicable. It now was valuable. It was now what had been put in was now profitable or began or could be profitable in my life. One more in your notes there where Paul is teaching elderly men, yep, that's me now, um, how to instruct younger men in the church similarly encourage the young men to be self-controlled in everything and this is the primary way that you disciple someone set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching show integrity seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing to say about us. There has to be an intentional, in my life, there has to be a more intentional aspect of my life in investing in younger men. It's a command as much as thou shalt not kill is a command. It's a part of this body that I have to be more invested in than I am currently invested in. I am primarily to do that by setting them an example and to show integrity and teaching and seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. We finally come to Exodus then, chapter 20 and verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So 1,445 years before Christ, humans are given... Through Israel, this command, honor your father and your mother. Um, In many cases, this is the sad reality that if you follow God as a child, it is highly possible that you will honor your mother more than your father does. Um, And as a child, you won't know how valuable that is to your mother. Um, But it is critical So he doesn't just say, honor your fathers. He says, honor your father and your mother. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 1. As Paul amplifies these instructions, we see that they were given to Israel much earlier. So Moses is leaving the picture with Israel. And there's so much in chapter 1, I would encourage you um, to read more of it than we are going to read. Um, We could look at a verse like 25, taking with them some of the fruit in the land. They brought it down to us and reported, it is a good land the Lord, our God, is giving us. Um, Verse 32 In spite of this, in spite of all that Israel has done, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in the cloud by day. That was literally an epiphany of Christ to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. When the Lord heard what you said, He was angry. And solemnly swore, no one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give their ancestors except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him his, and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. I think it's a strong possibility when I look at it that... Um, Joshua, I believe in that statement, is 19 years old. Joshua was as faithful as Caleb. Caleb had reached the age of accountability. He was more like 40 years old in that moment when they went into the land. So you had a teenager and a man over twice his age who were the two spies who came back and said no. This is the land God has given us. It is a good land. It is a fruitful land. Praise God for giving it to us. So we are told here that of those who have reached the age of accountability, there's only one that's going in. And it's Caleb. We read on. Verse 37, Because of you the Lord became angry with me also and said, You shall not enter it either. And we talked about that in Sunday school in Mosaic. Moses struck the rock, which was a, an epiphany of Christ. Verse 38, But your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him, because he will lead Israel to inherit it. And the little ones that you said would be taken captive, your children, who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land I will give them, And they will take possession of it. So Moses is speaking for the last time to Israel and he's explaining to them that the only one of the age of accountability that is standing for the Lord is Caleb. And my young, as he's described earlier, my young servant, my apprentice, Joshua is going to be your leader And all of these children, all of them 19 years old and younger, that you said, oh, we can't go in here, they'll destroy our children. What's going to happen to our children? He said, they're going in and you're not. So he destroyed everyone 20 years old and older in the wilderness because they all defied God. It didn't mean that all of the young were going to follow God, but it meant that they were not to the age where God could hold them accountable. So in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 29 is where we see that that cutoff is the age of 20 years old. We see it in multiple places. So um, we cannot give up on our children when they're 17, 18, 19 years old, but we can warn them that God will hold you accountable Um, as you reach that age turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 as now the young kids 19 and younger at that time are now um, 60 years old and they have kids younger than them coming in um, and they're going to go into the promised land God is warning them Verse 1 of chapter 6, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you and to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all the decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. So he's repeating that aspect of it. Teach this to your children. Teach this to the children after them. And tell them they need to follow this so that, like Paul said and like Moses was given the command, they may enjoy long life. Verse 3. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that... You may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised. And here we get the number one command. We see the number two later in Leviticus 19 and verse 18. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And Jesus and Paul add on to that, with all your mind, this renewing of your soul and your mind ...that is added to this command by Jesus. Verse 6. These are the commandments that I give you today... Uh, ...or excuse me, these commandments that I give you today... ...are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home... ...and when you walk along the road... ...when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands... ...and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates... So in the door frames of your houses, this is literally a good command to follow that was given to Israel. Um, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Lord, our God, is one. Love the Lord with all your heart. Um, Scripture verses that instruct us and command us. and, And he gives this practical application that we take these toddlers I think it's a great idea to take babies and begin reciting Scripture to them. Give them the commands and the blessings of God when they're toddlers, as a mother and as a father, when they wake up in the morning, share Scripture with them. Tell them how amazing God is so that before they are able to repent and be held accountable before God, they will know God is good. God created everything. God is love. He died on the cross for my sins. He wants me to follow him. He wants everything that he has to be shared with me. So when they wake up in the morning and you walk along and when they lay down at night, talk about God. Did Israel do that? No. What happened? They all went into captivity. They didn't enjoy long life in the land. The promises that God was just pleading with them, holding out his hand to give, he didn't give them because they didn't follow that command. Turn to chapter 11 in Deuteronomy. Very similarly, verse 1 Love the Lord your God and keep His requirements, His decrees, His laws, and His commands always. Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, His majesty, His mighty hand, His outstretched arm, the signs performed, and the things He did in the heart of Egypt both to Pharaoh and the king of Egypt and his whole country. What he did to the Egyptian army, to its horses and chariots, how he overwhelmed them in the waters of the Red Sea as they were pursuing you, and how the Lord brought lasting ruin on them. It was not your children who saw what he did. So he's speaking now to the children who were 19 and younger when they went the first time. Everyone older, 20 years or older, except Caleb, was put to death in the wilderness. So now the children are the ones being spoken to. They saw these maybe 5, 6, 7, 8, 17, 18-year-old kids saw what God did in Egypt. But now they're the adults. Now they're being instructed for their children. And... It's being explained to them. They didn't see what you saw. They need to believe what you believed. Understand what you saw. How God's mighty hand and his outstretched arm buried the Egyptian army in the sea. You need to tell those stories. You need to preach the word. You need to teach them to obey a God who can overcome the most powerful nation on earth because you saw it. Verse 5, It was not your your children who saw what he did for you you in the wilderness until you arrived at this place and what he did to Dathan and Abiram. So Eliab's son stood up and said, Who do you think you are, Moses, that you're so special? We've, We've got 250 people here. Why can't we lead? who says that we have to follow you? Moses says, well, you stand in front of your tent, I'll stand in front of my tent, and we'll let God decide. So they stood in front of their tents, God opened up the earth, they fell in it, and he shut it. And he's saying to them, here, you saw that. You were there, your children weren't. You need to share that with them. So verse 6, And what he did to Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab the Reubenite, when the earth opened its mouth in the middle of all Israel and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that belonged to them. He's saying, you saw that. You were young, you were children, but you saw it, and your children didn't. Verse 7, but it was your own eyes that saw all these great things that the Lord has done. Observe, therefore, the commands I am giving you today, so that you will have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, and so that you may live long in the land, going back to the fifth commandment. The Lord swore to your ancestors to give them and their descendants the land flowing of milk and honey. You want to arm yourselves? We're going in now. We're going to take um, Bashan, Salam, we're going to go across the river from the east, and we're going to conquer the Anakites, the Rephites, the Nephilim, these giant people. We're going in. Do you have your armor ready? Well, I got my sword. I got No, you're not listening. Are you aware of what God did and what He could do again? That He could rescue from Egypt and He could swallow you in the earth. Are you right with Him? We're going in. Get right with Him. And they were commanded to obey those commands. Turn to Joshua chapter 24. They're in the land, and we are obviously studying the church with the same commands, but studying the church. And this is really a sober reminder to church, I think. Joshua 24. We're going to pick it up. In verse 14, Joshua is settled in the land, it is, he is older now, he is passing on commands later in his life, um, he would die at the end of the book of Joshua, we're just about there, he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped. He gives two places, beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. He's talking literally about Abraham first, and then in Egypt. So, um, Terah, who was the father of Abraham and Nahor, Nahor was the father of Lot, um, and um, Abraham's father was Terah, and their descendants, And they lived literally in Babylon, they made idols they worshiped false gods and it was out of there that god got abraham's attention and he looks up to god he sees creation he says yes to whatever god puts in front of him go to a place that i am calling you to go what will i do when i get there i'll tell you later what's going to happen it's not going to be your lifetime Will you follow me? Yes, I will. Will you give your son? And all of that is Abraham being taken out of idol worship. You look back at verse 2, Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. So Abraham comes out of false worship, worshipping other gods. We pick up The text then, um, verse 14 again, Now fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Worship beyond the Euphrates River. Abraham lived right on the Euphrates River, just south of Babylon, just south of the Tower of Babel. And in Egypt, the, the Egyptians' pantheistic gods. And serve the Lord. Back to Deuteronomy 6, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it for us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods, it was the Lord our God Himself that brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our journey, on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, ...who lived in the land, we too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion of your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make you an end of you after he has been good to you. Joshua is prophesying there. Moses has already prophesied in Joshua's presence. You're going to go into the land, you're going to say, we want a king, you're going to worship other gods, you're going to ignore the Sabbath, and he's going to destroy you and take you into captivity. Joshua knows that's true. And he's saying with that knowledge, choose right now. Are you going to serve God or worship false idols? And I think that this is what this parallels in the church is that those people speaking up far be it from us to go against the Lord. We will serve the we are choosing it's him. And I think in their soul they're being honest. We will worship him. And then what Moses prophesied to them and what Joshua prophesied to them happens. And I think churches are the same. The point is that it doesn't matter what happens that day 40 years later. It matters what happens 40 years later. There is nothing we can do in this room today to ensure that this church will be faithful 10 years from today. It will have everything to do with what this church is doing 10 years from today. And what Joshua and Moses are trying to impress and what Paul's ty- trying to impress on us is that if your children are growing up being grandchildren and children of people who are part of church, it will all be destroyed. But if you can understand how critical it is for them to know what God has done in your life, to know what he has done with Israel, to know what he is capable of, both in honor and blessing and in judgment and curses, if they know growing up, and they know more growing up, and they know more growing up, and then they reach that age where if God were to return, you are now accountable, they will know what the choice is. So the the people here who are saying, no, far be it from us, we will serve the Lord. Know what they didn't do? They didn't train their children because their children went into captivity because they worshiped other gods because they didn't talk about the God of Egypt, the God of the Red Sea, and the God of Nathan and Abraham. They just knew it was true, and their children just grew up in their homes, and the generations that would follow would absolutely worship other gods. Verse 21, But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods. What do you mean? How can there be foreign gods in Israel to even be thrown away? Because they were worshiping the gods of Egypt. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel, And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey Him. On that day Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem he reaffirmed for them the decrees and the laws. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. If our children and grandchildren come to this church because it's what their parents and grandparents do, it will all fall apart. If they don't know from a young age all the way through about the God that we serve, it will all fall apart. Verse five, slaves obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Again, it is, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Um, children, obey your parents as unto the Lord. So here, um, obey sincerely as slaves. And we're not talking, it does parallel. It does move forward. It does go into Kingspan for me. It does go to the place that you work. Paul's talking about slaves, literally. Rome was a slave-run slave run kingdom. So he's saying to slaves who don't have masters that are worthy of individual respect, honor them. Work hard for them. Um, as he says in Titus, to the point where they can't condemn you for what they see. Verse 6, obey them not only when they're, to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of god from your heart so in the workplace in this case slavery for me when i go to work when they're watching me be a good example when they're not watching me be a good example as if and he would explain this in um colossians 3 as if christ were your foreman as if christ were your dispatcher as if christ was the person who gave you working orders in the workplace. So as we turn to Colossians chapter 3, as Paul is writing these parallel letters, we see the same instructions and they, they lay down side by side well because we get a little bit more from each one. So Colossians 3 and verse 22 Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Anybody want to guess what Greek word masters is there? Kyrios. Because Kyrios is master. So you can use that word here for your boss at work. Or you're, in this case, your slave owner. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. And there's Kyrios again, your master in heaven. Verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, Kyrios, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord. It is Kyrios, Kyrios, Kyrios. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's the only place it says Lord Christ in the Bible is in that verse. It is your curios Messiah. It is your Curios prophet, priest, king that you are serving. So it is not Christ sitting at the, the foreman or the CEO's desk, but for you as a Christian, it is. If you can work at a place that doesn't ask you to do things that directly disobey God, then the person in that chair for you is Christ. That man in your home is is to be submitted to as Christ. Children are to honor their parents as unto the Lord. I am to be gentle and considerate and respectful and lay down my life as unto the Lord. Paul is saying in each of these relationships, that person is not Christ, but you are to honor that relationship as if it were. You need to think about him and not about her or him. You need to think about Christ when you are serving. Verse 25, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, for there is no favoritism in verse four, again we see master, or chapter four, verse one, we see master twice, and it is curious. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. So, bosses, people who hire people, have workers. You are to treat them the way that you would treat Christ if he were working for you. Turn to Philemon. We'll be right back to Colossians 4 in a minute. If you can find Hebrews and go back one book, it's only going to be one page probably in your Bible. So something I don't know that I would suggest is that Philemon is the first letter that Paul wrote Um, of the four letters in his imprisonment, what happens is someone who's an inquirer and a slave runs away from home and runs away from slavery. And they know about Paul, so they find themselves all the way to Rome from Colossae, which is quite a journey. He sits down with the Apostle Paul and he becomes Paul's spiritual son, a believer in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. His name is Onesimus. So Colossae is already a church that has been planted. Um, Philemon is the person in whose home, the person in whose home the church meets. His son, Philemon's son, is the pastor of that church. And Philemon has slaves. And there are different types of servitude. So he may have been um, purchased. He may have owed a debt. Whatever the case may be, slavery was the avenue to repay debts in some cases. Now you have many miles away, Paul and this servant, this slave, this runaway slave named Onesimus. Paul is the one who writes, Honor your master's slaves. So there's a predicament here. We have a born-again child of the king who's a runaway slave. So in that context, we, we step into this story in verse 8. Paul writing to Philemon, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. This is the runaway slave who has come to meet Paul and come to know Christ as his Lord, who became my son while I was in chains. Verse 11, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and me i am sending him who is my very heart back to you i would like i would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take care he could take your place in helping me while i am in chains for the gospel for i did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So this is a high-level accountability lever letter from a Christ follower to a Christ follower. Philemon, I'm not going to tell you what to do here. I'm going to tell you the circumstances. Your runaway slave has become my son in the faith. He's become your brother in the Lord. He is being sent by me back to you. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to tell you to do the right thing thing because he was useless to you when he ran away he has benefited me while he was gone he benefits you more now than forever or ever before he is now your brother forever as well as your servant turn back to Colossians chapter 4 so I think Philemon is the the first letter Paul writes and I think he meets Onesimus fairly early on And I think that Colossians is probably the last letter that he writes. In Paul's final greetings, in verses 7 through 9, he he gives the deliverer of both Ephesians and Colossians, Tychicus, the person who would have taken these, what we know as epistles of Paul, back to Ephesus and Colossae, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you with the express purpose so that you may know about the circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Verse 9, he is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. So the blanks are filled in that within this two-year period, this runaway slave goes home and Philemon frees him. He frees him to the extent where Onesimus becomes a leader in the church of Colossae. And instead of the pastor of Colossae going back to Paul, Onesimus goes back there again in this two-year period and encourages Paul. He comes with Tychicus, back a second time to Philemon's home and says, we have a letter from Paul. It is scripture. Let's study it together. And they open up the book of Colossians as we know it. Turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. You can see the fruit of these commands Paul is teaching us if they are carried out in a person like Onesimus. Verse 7 Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. We just read that in Colossians 3.23. The Lord Christ, he says there, the master anointed one. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. So in your notes, there are position in the world cannot limit our obedience to Christ. You see there in your notes, Romans 14, 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So at the rapture, we will give an account for how we honored our mother and father, for how we trained our children, for how we honored our bosses at work, for how we treated our employees. If we are a boss, we will give an account of all these things. Are we to judge sin in believers' lives? Yes. Are we to judge sinners? Don't cross that line. Don't push someone aside because something has come up. We need to address sin without judging people, for in the same manner Jesus would say that you judge others, you will be judged. I think it's Matthew 7, 1. Um, verse 9 and masters yep that's Kyrios and masters treat your slaves in the same way do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their Kyrios and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him a simple short verse there in your notes Romans 2.11 God does not show favoritism it is human nature to say, there are things about my circumstances that limit me following Christ. There aren't. There are no circumstances. There are circumstances that can allow you or hinder you physically if you're in prison like Paul, if you're in a hospital bed. If there, but there are no circumstances where any of these commands that we looked at today would not apply. Honoring your parents, Training your kids. Don't um, be harsh with them. Don't exasperate them, Paul says, but bring them up in the training of the Lord. Didn't do that as a father. Um, I think I did the American plan. You know, the American plan where you can send them to kids' club and they'll raise your kids for you. You can send them to Sunday school and they'll raise your kids for you. Um, you can go to church and they're in the same church I'm in. I didn't do what God started with Moses. I didn't teach them scriptures as we walked along. I'm going to try to practice this even better on vacation as an older father and a grandfather. Um, If it's our story, they'll walk away. If it's their story, they'll serve the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for these instructions It seems like every time you speak through Paul, I've got work to do. I've got things to change. Help us to be in our homes who you command us to be so that when we come here, we will just carry it forward together. In Jesus' name, amen.